In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there be no divisions among you and that you may be per perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is, one of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, another, I follow Cephas, still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? We're continuing our series together during this summer to serve. And this morning, I want to read a story to you about a man who was stuck by himself on a deserted island. It's a good story. When they found him, they were absolutely astonished to see all that he had created all by himself, left to his own. He was, he'd created a self-sustaining, kind of self-sufficient um, environment. Not only did he, did he was he able to you know, take care of his, his basic needs, but he was comfortable. I mean, he really was set up. He, was, he lived very comfortably. As they, as they toured the island, they noticed all these impressive structures, all of them he made by himself. In one corner of the island, there was a grand building that was overlooking the lagoon, and they, he called that his home. He said, this is my home. This is home. Across the lagoon, there was a tall white building with a spire that reached up to the sky. It was a beautiful building. And the rescuers asked, well, what's that building? Oh, the, the man said, the castaway said, that's my church. That's my church. As they neared the other end of the island, they saw another tall white building with a spire that reached up to the sky. The rescuers pause, a little bit confused, and they, they said, that building looks really familiar. What, what, what's that building? Ah, the castaway responded, oh, that's the church I used to belong to. <laughs> Some of you will get it in a couple minutes. <laughs> I read that in my office. I'm sorry, but I laughed. It was so, it's so true. I mean, it's a, it really is a true, it's so true about our culture. We're talking about our culture. It says a lot about us, um, in, and it's to a certain degree, I mean, because you think about it, our culture does not encourage commitment. It doesn't encourage, as a matter of fact, our society discourages commitment, whether it's in marriage or whether it's in a, a relationship, other relationships, friendships, whether it's at work or even in church. Our culture, our society doesn't encourage those kinds of commitments. We live in a world where most people, the only thing they're going to be committed to is to their, their, their having their own way doing things their own way, kind of, you know, me, all about me. You know, I thought about it this past week. I thought, and don't yell it out or don't, don't take all of your time thinking about it during the service, okay? It's just a thought. But can you name three players in any sport? You can just and you can pick all the sports, name three people who've been on the same team their entire careers, starting maybe in the mid-90s, say 92, 93, 94, 95, and, and going forward. You know, think of three players that have been on the same team their entire careers. Now, it's not just criticizing the players and their commitment, but, you know, the owners and their commitment to the players. It's just, you know, it's not our culture. Our culture has changed, and commitment is not there. That's just the culture that we live in. It's challenging. You know, and that was the problem here in the church in Corinth. 
We we read the scripture earlier in in, in 1 Corinthians. They were were struggling. You know, one group, group, one person said, you know, Paul's our guy. Paul is our, he's our leader. He's our man. I mean, Paul started the church. I mean, let's just come on. Let's just take it where, look at this guy's resume. I mean, my goodness. Shipwrecked. I mean, he's been through all these things. Paul is the man. How how many times was he, did he go, how many times was Peter shipwrecked? (laughs) Come on. You know what I'm saying? Peter, he's probably afraid to get on a boat. And others said, oh, you've got to be joking. I mean, Paul, I mean, Paul, Paul, Peter, Cephas, Cephas and Peter, the same person. Peter's our guy. Peter was always out front. Okay, okay, you know, he, he got himself into trouble a little bit, but Peter's our man. Peter's the guy. Uh, Paul, how many times did Paul try to walk across the water? <laughs> Zip, okay? Peter's the guy, and Peter is the rock, right? I mean, the rock, the rock. Did Jesus say he's going to build his church on the rock? Need I say more? Someone else would say, you're joking, right? You're, you're joking. Rock schmock, the guy sank like a rock when he tried to walk across the water. He cried out when he saw some wind like my, wind like my sister Nancy. Come on, Peter, give me a break. Now, if you're talking about a real man, we're talking about Apollos. Now, they didn't say all this. I'm just ad-libbing. They, you know, talking about Apollos is, a, I mean, come on. He's cultured. He's an Alexandrian. Come on, Apollos, Apollos, Peter. Peter's all wet, and, and Paul spent one too many days in solitary, okay? Apollos is the man. Apollos is the guy. That Peter and Paul, they don't even hold a candle to him. And, and you know what? Apollos has the coolest name, too. You know, like, Apollos, Apollos. It's a tough name. It's a cool name. The people of Corinth allowed, allowed their personal preference to take precedence over unity. They allowed, they, they started, they started arguing amongst each other about, you know, I follow this guy, and I follow that guy, and I follow him, and I follow them, and Paul, I mean, poor Paul. Someone once said, I heard someone say, a a commentator say, that he thinks that the thorn in Paul's side was the church. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with that, but you can, you read, you read what Paul writes, and he's constantly having to correct and deal with, and this is what they were, they, they, they had personal preference that took precedence over the unity. And as a result, they became a me-centered church, a me-centered church where my needs and, and my desires overcame everything else. Everyone looked to his own interests instead of the interests of others. You know, it was, they, 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 started to, they started to fall apart a little bit, a church where perspective overrides unity, where, where being right and winning an argument is more important than, than listening and winning people to Christ. And that happens all the time. It happens in every church all the time. You got to just be careful because instead of focusing on what's important... We begin to focus on other things, and it takes our eyes off the prize. It takes our eyes off what's important, loving the Lord God with all of our hearts, souls, and minds, loving our neighbor as ourselves, reaching out to those who are in need. I mean, there are churches that are literally, as we speak today, arguing whether I pointed at the cross, obviously, as our focal point. But, you know, oh, we don't have a church. We don't have a cross in our church. Well, that's not culturally unacceptable now, so we don't have a cross. And so people arguing whether you should have a cross or not have a cross in your church, and there's all these things going on constantly to take our focus off what is important, which is the cross, which is Jesus Christ, which is us loving him with all of our hearts and loving each other like we love ourselves. 
So the people of Corinth, they were missing this. They lost their focus. And so they lost their purpose. And in doing so, they lost their ability to be an effective witness in the world around them. You know, when people look at the church, they need to see people who are, who, are, who are connected. They need to see unity. They need to see that love that we have for one another, the encouragement that we have for one another. And when that doesn't happen in the church, and you know, some, I know some of you thinking right now, I wonder why he's preaching on this. What's going on in our church? Nothing. It was just part of the series we're going through. And it, I'm just talking about church in general and how, what we should be, what we should be, how we should live according to God's word. And this is what happens. We get kind of, we get pulled away and we're not as effective in reaching out to the world. It's an all too familiar story. Churches all over the country are being torn apart, not by doctrinal differences, important doctrinal differences, which is no excuse for pulling apart the church. There is no excuse for that. But they're not being pulled apart by important doctrinal differences where people sit around saying, well, I believe we should really be focusing on this. No, it's, it's about, it's about uh, the style of music. Oh, good, it's me. You want to you see a church rip to pieces? Change the style of music. Uh, about the color of the paint on the wall. Someone chose, I don't, can't believe, and they get a group of people over here, a group of people over there, or personal personality challenges, personality differences. That's what people are, are, are dividing the church over. And Paul's saying, be careful be careful here. You know, we, we need to be careful. We need to be careful as a church, and I'm going to share something with you that's really important. There are people who will come into the church, and they'll sound real spiritual, and they'll say things like, you know what? I really appreciate the church. I really love Grace Chapel. But, and if pastor, you know, he's so funny, he hugs everyone. They'll say something real nice, and then they'll say, but you know what? If he just would do, if he would be more and they'll pick on someone else, they'll pick on a group, they'll pick on some elders, they'll pick on Chris, you know, Chris or Brian or whatever. The youth ministry would be, if, they, if he would just, and they'll, and they'll sow seeds of dissension because they have an agenda coming in. Some people, their agenda is to mess the church up, simple as that. You don't believe, some people won't believe that, but people come into the church to create problems in the church and cause these things. So they know if we're focused on that junk, we can be focused on what is important. And that'll happen. And so we got to be careful. You have to be discerning. If you listen to people sometimes, just be discerning when you hear them speak and understand that some people come in with an agenda to try to change things, to, to get it their way. And if they don't get their way, they usually go from place to place to place wreaking havoc on all different churches. And hope they're thinking, oh, if, you, uh, just, if they just understand the importance of whatever it might be. Well, these things might be important, but none of it is important enough to hurt the body of Christ. None of it's important enough to hurt the body of Christ. And when that happens, when those kinds of things happen and that kind of stuff comes into the church, what, what happens is the church stops being the church that God intended. The church stops being the church that, and I have been a part of churches in the past, and I've heard of churches since we've been, I've been at Grace Chapel, where this kind of stuff goes on and it hurts the church and it, and it doesn't allow the church to be the church that God created it to be. The church is separated by uh, by cultural things, you know, by, by, by economic status or, or racial or, or cultural differences. And, and, and what happens is people end up meeting as a church because of their similarities. It's all about their similarities. But, you know, that sounds real nice. But, you know, if we don't have cultural and racial and economic differences within the church, the, the, what, what kind of church are we going to be? 
If we don't have differences of people who grew up poor and people who grew up rich and people who grew up in the, and there may be a different, a different group here, a different group there, they come to, we come together as one in Christ. We can do amazing things if we're all thinking the same thing. We all have the same gifts and we all have the same attitudes. We all have the same. What kind of church we will be? Christ is the head and the body is different. There's different parts to the body with different gifts, abilities, talents, resources, whatever the case may be, to come together as one and make a difference in the world. That's what God calls us to do. That's what God calls us to be. That's God's desire for the church, that we would come together as one and make an impact on our world. You know, they, the church, like I said, comes together because of their similarities, and being one in Christ is not enough. Being, being born of the Spirit, being one in Christ is not enough. And I'm telling you, for a lot of churches, that's just sad. I don't, I don't see that problem here, but in a lot of churches in, in our culture, that's just sad because it shouldn't be that way. Our love for Jesus Christ should be enough to bind us together, to hold us together. Our love for our Lord and Savior, our oneness in Jesus Christ should be enough to do that. You know, we're, like I said earlier, we're in a series called Together during this, this great summer to serve. And for the next, just the next two weeks, I want to talk about the importance of building community. For 10 years, we've been doing that. We've been connecting with each other. We want to raise it to another level. We want to raise it to another level. And as we go into September, we're going to be launching more life groups. Our goal is 12, and I would love to see even more than that. But we need to understand why is that so important that we build that community. For the next two weeks, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the importance, the significance of building community. We need to understand why building community is so important to fulfill the purpose that God has for us on this earth. Why is the church so significant? Why is the church, why is this body of Christ so significant? Why is the, the, the churches, why are churches so important to God's plan for, for building his, his kingdom here on earth? Why? I want to talk about that. Well, first of all, we need to understand, and because people have the wrong perception sometimes, this building is not the church. This building that we're sitting in keeps rain off of us. It keeps us a little, a little cool in the summer, a little warm in the winter. But this is not the church. The, you know, people will sometimes think that, but the Bible, the word, the word the Bible uses, it never means a building. It means the assembled ones. When you talk, when, you, when the word of God speaks of the church, it literally means the assembled ones, the ones coming together. So it's not about a building. We could, we could have church across the street behind the, uh, one of our parking lots over here behind Swifty. We could sit over there without chairs or anything else, and we're the church. We could go meet in some cornfield to the north or whatever else, and you know what? As long as we're together, it's Grace Chapel. It's the church. It isn't the building. The building burns down. We can sit on top of the rubble and still be the church. So the, 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 the church is a community of people, not bricks and mortar. It's a community. It's us. It's us. It's us. A community bound together, bound together by our common bond in Jesus Christ. That's the church. We are bound together. We are unified because of our common bond, our common oneness in Jesus Christ. That's what holds the church together. That is the foundation of the church his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. That is the church. It is, it, is, it is us coming together 
with Christ as our head. He is the foundation of the church. It's like anything else this world can offer because it is built on the foundation of a crucified Messiah. That is the church. The world has nothing close to offer. It isn't a club. It isn't, a, it isn't an organization. The church is an organism. It's living. It's, living to, it's, it's, it's a living organism. We as his body and Christ as the head. It is God coming to earth and, and sacrificing himself for us that we can have a relationship with him. He sacrificed for relationship. And that's what he asks of each one of us. He wants us to sacrifice for relationship. That's what God expects. He expects us to follow his example by sacrificing for one another for relationship. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I want you to listen to these words. Listen, he says this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. It goes on to say that we should have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus set the example, sacrificing for relationship. And he says, that's what I want of my church. I want you to sacrifice for relationship. I want you to be one. I want you to be unified. I want you to be connected. I want you to be committed. In 1 John 1 John 3.16, it reminds us, this is how we know what love is, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's what love is. That's what unity is. That's what the church is. A group of people who don't look to their own interests. You can find that anywhere, guys. You can find people in, in groups, clubs, whatever else, looking at their own interests. What's best for me? This is different. The church is different. God created the church to be different, not only to look to our own interests, but also the interests of others, to think of people better than yourselves, to put, them, put their needs above your own needs. It's a unique creation of God. And if you can live it out, if a church can truly live this out, it will transform lives It'll transform lives. The church is a community built upon a supernatural unity in Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't understand that sometimes. It's a community built on a supernatural unity in Jesus Christ. A supernatural unity in Jesus Christ. We are a place, we are a place where personal agendas are nailed to the cross of self-sacrifice. This is a place where personal agendas are nailed to the cross of self-sacrifice. We are not number one. I am not number one. I am a servant to you. You are a servant to the person next to you. We serve each other. We think about and care for each other. It is a place where all agendas are nailed to the cross of self-sacrifice. So what, does, what then should the church look like? What exactly should the church look like? Well, the church should look like a group of people who are willing to put the needs of others above their own needs. 
The church should, I mean, you should be able to see that and experience that when you come in, you should be able to experience that. You invite a friend. I want to encourage, I talked about this last week, and we encourage you to invite one person. Just go, just build a relationship and, and connect with one person. Maybe you know them a little bit and, and, and invest in their lives and invite them. Invite them to be a part of, of, of this body of Christ. Because there's something unique about the body of Christ. There's something unique about it. Putting others ahead of yourself. That's what people should experience when they come here. They should feel it. They should sense it. They should sense the authenticity and the caring about them as individuals when they walk in the doors of this church. They should use the word servants. This is a group of servants. These people love and serve each other. That's how they should feel. They, they, the people who are part of a church should watch out for one another. They should pray for each other. They should encourage each other. They should be committed to each other. And that experience should be seen and felt by all who become a part of the church. Now, I know it's not possible for every one of you to get to know all everyone else in the church. You have two services. You know, you don't even sometimes interact with some of the people in the first service. You don't know them as well. But I understand that. But we should be able to connect with a smaller group of people within the body who we can invest our lives in, who we can, who we can care about. We can encourage them and we can pray for them and we can listen to them when they're going through a difficult time and they need to talk. We can comfort them when they're hurting or, or, or when they're lonely. That's what the church should look like. You know, our, we, we talk about this in our church. We want to grow larger and smaller at the same time. We want to go larger as you invite people and they come to know Christ. But as they come into the church, then we want to make sure that people are connected to a small group of, of, of people that are going to invest in their lives. And there's a statistic that says after 150 or 200 people in the church, you can't know everyone anyway. And I think that's even a lot to know. But what you can do is find a group of people that will invest in you and you can invest in them. You can invest in their lives. You can be a listening ear. You can be that encourager. When they're hurting, you can make sure that their, their needs are being taken care of. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Loving the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. In your bulletin, in your bulletin, if you take that home with you, make sure that you look. There's a the thing about, there's talking about life groups. And some of you, some of you are, you don't let me know what your gifts and abilities are. I think sometimes you just kind of hold them back. You don't want to, you know, because you, know, you know if you tell me, I'm going to like jump all over and say, hey, you know you want to serve? But some of you are good teachers, good facilitators. You don't have to be a teacher, but a facilitator of small groups. You, you're a good facilitator in your, at work. You're good at getting people together and getting people talking. Those are your gifts. We want you. We want you to be involved in the small groups here. So if that's your gift, you want to get, get to know some more people, you want to facilitate, make sure you call Ron Toby. His name and uh, an email address, I think his number, is in the Family News Bulletin. Make sure that you connect with him and let us know that. And some of you, you know, you might be looking around saying, you know, I don't know a lot of people. I'm new. I've been here. I've been coming here for three or four years. I still don't know a lot of people. You need to make sure you get connected into one of our life groups. Grab a few people, four or five other families, some you know, some you don't know, and build a team. Build, build that group together and let, let me know that's something you're interested in doing. Let our leaders know that you're interested in doing that. So we want to build those small groups and grow larger and smaller together. I believe there's a sign-up sheet out, in the, um, out by the Welcome Center. If you're interested in getting involved in a small group, make sure you sign up there 
so we can get your name and we can connect with you and make sure you get plugged in. That is the goal. That's the goal, that we would come together as the body of Christ and invest in each other's lives. Sunday mornings are wonderful for, wor for worshiping God and hearing the word of God, but when it comes to intimate connecting, that needs to happen in smaller groups. So this is, this is something that we've been, in, we've been really working hard to, to launch, especially in September, and we want everyone, everyone to get involved. Now, if you don't get involved in a small group, you're welcome to come to Grace Chapel. I don't want to start putting up pressure on everyone, and you don't feel like you're a part of the church. If you, there's a lot of seasons in life. It may not be the season of life for you, but we want, to know, we want you to know that we care about building and connecting people within the community of Grace Chapel. That's important to us. Okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul gives us a four-part description of the church. He says this, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. There are four things here I want you to observe. Now, I'll share one this morning and the other three next week. Okay, so we'll go through the first one this morning and we'll pick up on the, the second, third, and fourth next week. First, the church is God's community. The church is God's community. Look, look, look what Paul writes here. Paul says, the church of God. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The church of God. This is significant because it means that Grace Chapel or any other church is not built on one person. It is not built on one person. I mean, I love you to death, but this church is not built on the fact that you're a member here or I'm the pastor here. It is not built on the personality of one human being or the personalities of a few people. And uh, we're all so amazing. That's why, you know, God, God built the church. It's God, it is God's idea. It's God's creation. He's not really that impressed with our level of education and our accumulation of wealth or our dynamic personalities. That's not what the church should be built upon. The church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ as the head. The church is God's creation. God came up with the idea. It is God's idea. That's why it's valuable. That's why, that's why, we're so, that's why the church is so important. Because we, we, we are the church. Remember, it's not the building. He's not impressed with the building. We belong to God. That was the idea. You and I belong to God. God draws us together. We belong to him. He calls it, Jesus calls the church his bride, is, is the bride of Christ. That is so important. This is not just one step above a club or, like I said, an organization. This is more than that. This is significant. The church is different than any other organization that you can come up with. It doesn't matter. This is different. The church is called the bride of Jesus Christ. The church is not special because of, like I said, that you're, you know, you're a member or I'm the pastor. It's important not because of who we are, but because of who we belong to. You belong. You belong to God. I belong to God. We belong together. We belong to him. You know, we can, all, we can all be critical sometimes of the church and, and you know, kind of, we all feel that way. Every single person who comes to church more than, you know, two or three years, sometimes you get a little critical of the church. But when, when we do, when we do, we, me included, when we do, we need to be careful um, because we need to remember that the, the church is, again, the body of Christ. The church belongs to Christ. 
He loves the church. He died for the church. He died for us. He created it. I hear people all the time say, you know, I never go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. Full of hypocrites. I read something this week I love that kind of responded to that. It said, full, it's not full. We can always have one more. There's always room for one more. Okay, so I don't, wherever you are in your life, you know, all the friends you have, oh, how many times you hear people say, I won't go to church with you if I walk in, the whole thing's going to cave in. Like you and I are just the, we're so holy, we almost float in here, right? You're driving your car, I'm all, you're all, I guarantee you're singing, you're singing praise songs all the way here, right? Is that what you do? No one's reaching behind trying to smack their kids or anything? That doesn't happen to you, does it? That doesn't happen. No, me either. You know why? Because we're perfect. Oh, your friends are messed up, you know what I mean? No, it's like, you know, the church is, if the church hasn't fallen in with all of us coming, it's not going to fall in because we invite a few more hypocrites along on the way. It, it's, you know, we have to just encourage people to understand why the body of Christ is so important. It's not because we're so wonderful, it's because God is so wonderful. Because we belong to God. We belong to Him. He is our God and we are His people. A church is not perfect. I, you know, seriously, I am an imperfect pastor leading a group of imperfect people in an imperfect world. As simple as that. I'm an imperfect pastor leading imperfect people in an imperfect world. Now, I, 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 I may not be perfect, but you know what? I belong to God. That's what makes, that's what makes me who I am. I belong to God. You belong to God. The church this body belongs to him. It is his body. He created it. He loves it. You know, I, I, think, I think we all, honestly, I think every single one of us, we want to, we want to change the world. In different ways, for different reasons, and different, maybe a different scale. How, how, but we all want to change the world. But let me tell you, the world starts right in this building. That's where the world starts. The world starts right here, the person next to you. It's the person who's struggling right next to you. It's the person who you, you watch and you see them crying or you see the stress or you hear about what's going on in their lives. Changing the world starts right here. If we don't invest in each other's lives right now, then, then, then let's not bother going out and trying to change the rest of the world. It needs to be happening right here. And I know it is. I know it's happening. And I'm encouraged by what God has done. And if you think if you think that God has done some amazing things in the past 10 years, this is just, we've just been building the foundation. In the next five to 10 years, you're going to see things that absolutely astonish you. Why? Because God has built, built a foundation here on his son, Jesus Christ. We love God with all of our hearts. And if we will love each other, if we will do what he asks, and we will love each other, and we will put each other first, then we will experience things that you could not even possibly imagine. He will do above and beyond what you and I could possibly dream of or ever imagine. But it starts right here. Don't worry about Africa. Don't worry about Mexico. Don't worry about our community. It starts right here. If we do it here, if we invest in our lives right here, if we love each other and we encourage each other and we're committed to each other right here, then our town and our community and our nation and our world will be changed. 
will be changed, will be transformed right before our eyes as God uses his body of believers to make those changes. You know what? As a senior pastor of Grace Chapel, what I want to do, I just want to do life together. I want to do life together. Some of you are different places in your spiritual journey. That's okay. Let's just do life together. Let's take each other where we are, not expect each other to stay where we are. We'll help each other grow, but let us just do life together. And when you bring friends in who have a hard time talking because they, like, like me, when I first started going to church, you don't want to curse because when you, when you talk, you usually curse kind of thing. You know what? Let's, let's bring them on in. Bring them, let them all come in. Let every sinner like the rest of us come on into Grace Chapel and let's just do life together. Let's be authentic. Let's invest in each other. Let's love each other because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you so, so much for this great day. Thank you for this time that we can spend together. And we just pray, dear God, can everyone just stand up if you would? Stand up with me as I, I'm going to continue to pray. Grab the hand next to you. If you're, if you're in a row by yourself, why don't you want to leave that row, kind of find a group of people that you can connect with. Just hold the hand of the person next to you. As you're holding that hand, I, I want to just lift up our body to God. Father God, I pray that as we hold hands with one another in a spirit of unity, in a spirit of, of, of community, as in a spirit of commitment, Lord God, we just pray that you would use us, that you would use us, that you would bind us together as one in you, and that, Father, we would start that transformation right here in this place. As we hold hands, Lord God, we pray in our hearts that we would commit to one another, that we would love each other, that we would serve each other, that we would show compassion and grace to one another, that we would allow each other, Lord God, just to live our lives in a way and encourage each other to live our lives in a way that will be pleasing to you, that we would help each other do that, put each other first. God, we pray that you would use us that you would truly use us in a miraculous way. And it would start right here. It would continue right here in this place. Father, we anticipate what you're going to do. We anticipate it. We expect it. We thank you for it in advance, knowing that you're going to answer our prayers and use this body to transform lives, starting with our own. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.